Good morning. It is such a blessing for me to sit here under this mango tree right here in western Zambia and bring you the gospel, the good news of the grace and the love of God. Today I'm going to be teaching on such a great salvation. Now I did touch on this message in our last message when I was preaching here in Pastor Miyunda's church. But I just felt that I wanted to go more in depth into this message and then record this message just straight for you guys. We need to realize that sometimes when we work through uh, uh, interpreters, translators, it's difficult to get right into the depths. And I just, man, I'm longing to just give some in-depth teaching. So uh, that's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at Hebrews chapter 2 and so forth. Let us pray together as we start our service. Father, I want to thank you for your love and your grace. I want to thank you for your kindness and your goodness. I want to thank you for the care that you have for us. I want to thank you that you would powerfully speak through me today and encourage every person that is watching me. Lord, as we look at the world, we look at the systems of the world, the people in this world, although their motives might be great and they want to do good, we see the inability of man. But we thank you, Lord, that we stand under a perfect high priest that has come to save us to the uttermost. And thank you that we can be under the jurisdiction of heaven, under the rule of God, even while we live in this world. Thank you that every person will be encouraged and that you stretch forth your hand to perform signs, wonders and miracles as signs of your kingdom and your resurrection, bringing relief and healing and pleasure to people's hearts and lives. Amen and amen. Before I get into my message, I think I want to just give a little bit of a feedback on what we are busy with. Uh, we have been here now for about, how many weeks is this, Helena? Three weeks. And in this three weeks, we've managed to start and meet a new new pastors, we have registered our ministry, even the, the pastor, Pastor Muniz's house is almost uh, finished being renovated. Uh, and then on Tuesday, we're starting our gospel outreach, where we will be preaching every day on a piece of land just behind me here. You'll see the church in the distance there, the church building in the distance there. We will have an outreach here, open air gospel outreach, which I'm very excited about. A lot of what we've done uh, in this last week was done without a motor vehicle because like most of you know, we've been in a bit of an accident and our vehicle's gearbox housing uh, or the filter cracked, the oil ran out and we don't have a vehicle. Well, in the meantime, things got kind of sorted out to a certain degree. It looks as if the insurance is going to uh, help us. They're going to fix the vehicle for us. And Elena and I will be flying back next Monday, so not this coming Monday, the Monday after that we will be flying back to South Africa. We've now already been looking at another vehicle and then we will come up as soon as possible and do some work here again and tow the vehicle that is here down to South Africa where the insurance is going to uh, sort this out and, and fix it for us or I don't know if they will write it off as we say in South Africa. It is up to them to decide what the case is. But we've had a very blessed time here. And I'm very grateful to report to all of you uh, that it's going well. I also want to thank all the people that has been supporting Dynamic Love Ministries. Thank you for your financial support, your moral support. All the people that would send a message and just say, 
Uh, Bertie, you know, we just want to say that we think of you. Our heart is with you and Elena. And um, we know that great work is being done. Uh, the messages we got through Facebook Messenger, WhatsApp, even some of the people that were giving financially and assisting us uh, in doing what we are doing. This is teamwork. Thank you for your support. Amen. Well, let us get right into the message. I'm going to read from Hebrews chapter 2. And this is what it says. It says, and I touched on this last week again, uh, before it says this. It says, we must pay most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. So it is for us to pay most careful attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. So what I see the Hebrew writer is doing here is he doesn't want people to drift away, drift away from the word that they have heard or also drift away from the influential power or the rule of God over people's lives. Now that might not sound like good news if I tell you that one can drift away. But the drifting away here is simply not God moving or God deciding not to help you or not to bless you. God is always there. He's always with us. He's always supporting us. He's, he's there all the time. But it is almost like a restaurant offering food and you're not going to eat at that restaurant. You're now going to eat at another restaurant which does not offer good food, which might even be poisoned. So we don't want to drift away from that which God has told us. So we must pay careful attention to what we have heard. And the question I'm going to ask is, what have these people heard? What have they heard? It says here in verse 2, For since the message spoken through angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? So what the Hebrew writer is doing here is, is bringing attention to what they have heard, which was a message of such a great salvation. So he says, let us give most careful attention to the message of such a great salvation. We've heard of this wonderful, awesome, powerful salvation. And many of us, when we think of such a great salvation, we are basically narrowing it down to, if I die one day, I'm going to go to heaven. But what if you don't die now and you're still going to live for 30 years? How do we define salvation? Are we they not partaking of such a great salvation? What is the great salvation, the such a great salvation that is being mentioned here? There's a such a great salvation that the Hebrew writer was talking about. Now listen to this. It says here that if the law was neglected, it had its consequences. But if this great salvation is neglected, it will also have its consequences. Now, it is not as if God is coming to kill us if we neglect the salvation. Just think of it. Neglecting salvation will leave you unsaved. That is what it would be. If you are drowning in the ocean and salvation is coming, or let me put it this way, if there is a flood coming, 
and salvation comes and warning comes and a helicopter comes and there's evacuation warnings and everything and you don't yield to the salvation from the flood, what will happen? The flood will destroy you, not the governing authorities that comes and warns you and want to help you. So in the neglect of great salvation, it's not God coming to kill you. He's a savior. He's the one that loves. He's one that cares. He is the one that has come to give us life. So the message that we must give attention to is the message of such a great salvation. It says here then, this salvation was first announced by the Lord. This such a great salvation was first announced by the Lord. So we're going to have to go and look at what Jesus announced. What did he say? What was this great salvation that, that he talked about? I just want to see that as if this is recording because the phone fell and I was, I'm glad it accidentally just pressed uh, stop there, but he didn't. Okay. So what is this great salvation that was announced by the Lord? We're going to read from Mark 1 verse 14. And it says here, Jesus announces the good news of the kingdom of God. Mark 1 14, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. What is the good news of God? The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So Jesus Christ preached the gospel prior to his death, prior to his burial, prior to his resurrection. And the good news was the good news of God. It was basically talking about the good news of the coming of God. The good news of the kingdom of God that is now being established on the earth. What would that have meant to the people of that time? It would be the same as uh, people in North Korea sitting under an absolute dictatorship and people secretly listening uh, through internet and um, seeing what's going on in other places in the world. And then all of a sudden they see that there is another better kingdom in the world. There's another way of looking at things. There's a democracy. There's things like that. There's freedom, freedom of speech and so forth. And then they hear about the, uh, another country that is uh, a democracy and that stands for freedom and that that kingdom is now coming and taking over the North Korean kingdom. What, that is, if, if they would hear an announcement that this kingdom that you've been waiting for so long has now come and you're now going to be under a different rule. A rule where the objective is your freedom, your life, your peace, your health, your prosperity, your well-being. That is what it would have meant. So when it says here, the kingdom of God has now come near, the good news was that they would not be standing under Rome anymore. Plus that they would not be standing under the jurisdiction of death itself anymore. But that the almighty loving caring, faithful God who cannot lie, whose vision has always been our salvation, our well-being, who has now come to bring this to us. This is now at hand. This is what Jesus says. So the good news that Jesus proclaimed was the good news of God, the kingdom of God. Let us read it again. Mark 1 verse 14. After John 
was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God, the gospel of God, the, the gospel that God has for humanity and that God's rule is now coming to the earth. The time has come, he said. This is now literally the words Jesus would have used. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe that the kingdom of God has now come near. We also see this in Matthew 10 verse 5. He says, the 12, uh, These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, go into, Don't go into the way of the Gentiles, and go or into the cities of the Samaritans. But go rather into the lo to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and go and preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It says there that they will be persecuted and all those things will come. And then it says, Truly I tell you, you will not finish going through the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. So what is he saying? He's saying that there is a good news that is of God. It's a message of great salvation which we should not neglect. We should continually listen to this message. And this is the message that Jesus announced. This message of such a great salvation began to be announced by Jesus. Jesus said, this was the good news according to Jesus, that the rule of God has now come to the earth. Isn't that what all of us want? We look at politicians, we look at our countries, we look at our democracies, we look at all these kind of things, we look at the absolute disasters that's coming to the earth um, as pertaining to the rule of people, where things are changing uh, to a place that it's absolutely ridiculous. And we are saying, Lord, we need you. But here is what he's saying. He's saying, listen, the kingdom of God has come to the earth. But this kingdom of God that has come to the earth is something that can be neglected or forgotten or pushed out of your heart by looking at the things of this world. This kingdom of God that comes to the earth, the Bible says, Jesus says, go and preach to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and you would not have preached to all the people just in Jerusalem before this kingdom is inaugurated, before the Son of Man would come into His glory. He was talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now it sounds very technical, but let me explain this way. The kingdom of God comes to the earth in the resurrection of Christ. Jesus said, this kingdom is now come very near unto you. Go and tell all the people that they can have hope now. The rule of God has now come to the earth. And I want to tell you, this rule of God is so close that you would not even have gone through the cities of Jerusalem, just around Jerusalem, before the Son of Man would come. And if you understand it contextually, it means the Son of Man would have come into His glory, meaning He would be raised from the dead and ascended on high. So what he was saying is, the Son of Man, Jesus, would be would conquer death, be raised from the dead, and placed as Lord over the earth. The kingdom has come near unto you, and it's so near that the establishment of it would is so close that you would not even have gone through a few cities around Jerusalem before Jesus would be announced as Lord 
with all authority in heaven and earth where his rulership and his domain would be poured out on the earth and we who believe upon him, upon him would then have a life born from this reality. That is what he was saying. He says, go not into the way of the Gentiles and to the cities of the Samaritans, enter not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel and go and preach saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. When you are persecuted in one place, flee to another. In other words, don't try and even persuade people. Just run. Truly I tell you, you will not be finished going through the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. It's not talking about the return we are awaiting for. It's talking about Him coming into His glory. Glory to God. So what was, and if we look at the first part of this, Hebrews 2 says, don't neglect Pay careful attention to what you have heard. What you have heard was first announced by Jesus. What did Jesus announce? He announced the kingdom of God, the rule of Jesus, which the people of that time awaited. And they would know that should the Messiah reign, it would be a rule of peace where they have the power of God over their lives. I just want to ask Eliana, can you just get me some water, please? Just some of the water right here thank you so this kingdom that is being announced this kingdom that is that is being put forth is what we should have in mind I think so many times when we look at the news and I'm, I'm saying this specifically because of communication I've recently had with several people about what they say about governments what's going on in countries and so forth like, in, for instance, in South Africa, I've just heard now, I don't know how true it is, but uh, there's, I think it was a News 24, it said, says there that um, if you want a handgun, self-defense would, would not qualify anymore as a reason to get a handgun. Now, why would a government do that? If, there's, if we are living in a country with the highest crime rate in the world, you're not allowed to have a gun for the purpose of self-defense. That is not a reason. The reason is that you can now join a shooting club and you just like to shoot at the shooting club. You know, and we all know it's, it's, it's being said that that's being disarmed. You know, the people are being disarmed. That is what's, what's going on. And we can now say, sit in this fear, oh, look at this government, look at what we are under. Now, when we hear news like that, when we hear news about the corruption that there comes with the coronavirus and how these things were maybe not true and things were changed, I'm not up to date with the news there. Over here, I've got very little to do with news. Um, but things like that can upset a person. The, the laws about abortion, the laws about all these things, how things are governed, how we all know that it is wicked. It is, everybody knows it's wicked. We don't even have to argue, but you'll find news media and all those kind of things. When all of that happens, this is God's word to us. God's word to us is, pay careful attention to what you have heard, which was announced firstly by Jesus Christ. And what Jesus announced is that the kingdom of God is at hand. And you might say, but I am, I, I'm, I'm not seeing the kingdom of God at hand. Well, Hebrew, Hebrews also deals with that, which I'm not going to get into. But I can just say this. 
Remember what Jesus said. He said that He will come into His glory and He will be Lord. And the gospel would not even have reached the ends of the, the areas of Jerusalem. We now know that the gospel has reached much further than that. And Jesus has already come into His glory, which is to be seated at the right hand of the Father, from where He rules. We who believe upon Him are then saying that we are not citizens of this world anymore or under the rule of this world, but we have an advantage. We draw life from another source. Glory to God. That is what He is saying. And we're living from another power source. We can have peace in the midst of all of this darkness. Right. So I want to remind you and I want to tell you, you are under the rule of Jesus Christ. He is your Lord. He's you under His jurisdiction. If I look at what has happened in the world and the sadness that's in the world and the stress and the distress that's in the world, and I look at the amount of peace that I've lived in, I can only say this, it's because of the rule of God which we are under. Our lives are not shaped by the governments of this world. Our lives are shaped by the favor of God. That's what we stand under and we should not forget that. Let me read the verse again. We must pay careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard. It says here, should we not pay careful attention to such, ignoring such a great salvation, which was announced unto, unto us by the Lord, we shall bear the consequences of not making use of the salvation, which would be to be given over to what governments and the rules of this world and the mortality of man's flesh can offer us. Not giving careful attention to this message will leave us to the consequences of what governments can offer. And what can governments truly offer us? The governments bear the sword. That is what the Bible teaches. It says, honor them, respect them, uh, know that they have authority. Don't look for trouble with governments. They bear the sword. They are there to punish evildoers. That's what they are there for. Now, if you are there to punish an evildoer, you are definitely not there to bring life. Jesus Christ is on the side of bringing life. And let us look at that. And let us not treat the government and what they say and what they do as if they are the source through which God brings life. The source through which God brings life is Jesus Christ. And let us pay careful attention to what Jesus Christ has said. Let me put it this way. Eliana and I, we're sitting here in Zambia, a different country, different laws, completely, completely different way of doing things. I cannot even understand all of the way, ways things work here. It's very difficult. I've been here for traveling here for many years and I still struggle to understand how things work. I don't know. But when I look at things, when I look at South Africa, when I look at, at, at Zambia and I look at anything that doesn't seem right, what do I do? I'm not going to pay careful attention to what the, how these systems work. I'm not going to study it out. I'm not going to give it two hours of thought every day. No, I'm going to pay careful attention to the fact 
that Jesus is Lord and that he announced that the, that the kingdom of God is near. And what he's saying here is as we pay careful attention and believe upon and rely upon him, we make use of the rule of that kingdom in this world. That is how it works. It works through reliance upon, faith in. That is what it is. This announcement was, this, this kingdom was first announced by the Lord and it was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God testified to the kingdom of God coming to this world by signs, wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. So if we look at the miracles that happened in the early church, if we look at all the powerful gifts that took place, what is that a sign of? It's a sign of the kingdom of God and what Jesus announced, such a great salvation that we are saved from being given over to our fate, given over to what governments and what Rome and what... Uh, 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 the English and the British and the Americans and the, the, the French and the Germans and the Russians and whatever they can offer in their carefully thought out constitutions, what they can offer us. We are not given over to that. We now are given over to the power of the resurrection, the grace of God being good unto us. That is what we are given over. You know, when, when our car broke here, I don't think we are now given over, uh, you know, to what the Zambian government will do uh, when our vehicle is here longer than what it's supposed to be. I don't, I don't think, well, we are only given over to what we can uh, achieve by walking where we can be. No. We're not going to pay careful attention to our shortcomings. We're going to pay careful attention to the kingdom of God. And you know, when I was thinking, that our vehicle broke, we had a vision here, reach many villages, do those things, and whatever we wanted to do, and we don't have a vehicle anymore. You know, and when I saw that, and I was starting to think, Lord, I'm under your kingdom. I'm standing under your jurisdiction. You know what came to mind? That the Apostle Paul walked wherever he wanted to be. And we are still today, today more than ever, bearing and, and, and eating of the fruit of a ministry where a man walked wherever he wanted to be, where he didn't just walk, but where he would sometimes be in jail, couldn't walk. He was in the stocks, he was sitting there, scribbling a little letter, giving it to some, uh, uh, <clears throat> some security guard whose favor he won in some way. And that little letter went somewhere and we're reading it today. That was done by somebody that walked because it's not by our work. It's not by how effective we can work. It is by the rule of Jesus Christ. And we can see in the life of the Apostle Paul, the life of Jesus Christ himself, Jesus, uh, it's recorded that he once was riding on a donkey. It was not about how effective and fast you could get from point A to point B. It was the kingdom, the rulership, the eternal that he was under, that we are under today. We are under that kingdom. It's an ever-advancing, never-ending kingdom which was started to be announced by Jesus Christ and it is called the Gospel of God. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> it makes me so happy then. 
That makes me so happy. Glory to God. Let us continue about this great salvation. Talking about this announcement of this great salvation. It says, During the days of Jesus' life on earth, He offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save Him from death. So here was Jesus and He Himself had to be saved from death. And He was heard because of His reverent submission. Why, why was Jesus raised from the dead? Because he reverently submitted himself to the Father and didn't try to save his own life. He submitted himself to the Father. He gave it over to the Father to save his life. And the Father did raise him from the dead. It says, Son though he was, he learned obedient uh, through the things he suffered. And once he was made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who believe upon him. And was um, designated by God to be a high priest in the order of Melchizedek or the order of eternal life. Complicated verse, but listen to what it, what it means here. It says, during the days of Jesus, he, was, he learned obedience through the things he suffered. That is just a Hebrew way or a, I would say a very difficult way of saying that Jesus was in a place where he suffered as a human being and where he had to obey the Father, where he was weak in himself unto eternal life. He had to be saved by the Father from death. And he was as weak as what we are. That is all that that passage means. That whole passage where it says he learned obedience to the things, obedience to the things he suffered doesn't mean that you need suffering to learn. We don't learn by what we suffer. It is just a way of saying that he was weak to the point that he had to hear what the Father said about him and believe the Father. That is all that it means in order to be saved from death. It says here that um, he was not perfect. He was then made perfect. And when he was made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who believe upon him. And that his salvation is according to eternal life, meaning he will forever be our savior. Let me summarize what is being said here. Sounds a bit complicated, but let us say it, say it again. Jesus Christ became the author of eternal salvation. So what is this word of great salvation that we should not neglect? It is the word that Jesus, although he was a normal human being at a place where he was dependent upon the Father, where he couldn't by himself save himself, that he humbled himself, trusted the Father, and that the Father then raised him from the dead, placed him at the right hand of the Father himself, and made him the author of eternal salvation. So what is this message that we should not neglect? It's the message that the kingdom of God has come, that Jesus was raised, and that he is the source of of eternal salvation and that it will never change is according to the order of Melchizedek meaning we're not waiting for another savior that helps us today because you know many times we think well I've received Jesus and after I've received Jesus I then got saved and it went well with me I was blessed I'm prospering glory to God but then we forget that he's the eternal source of salvation and then we sometimes turn our eyes 
through the systems of this world, the things of this world, the economy of this world. And we think, my goodness. I look at, I look at Elon Musk, for instance. It's almost not right that one man has so much power. He can tweet one thing and it changes the economy of the world. One man does that. But what I can say, one thing I know for sure about Elon Musk is that he's temporal and that his effect is temporal, that he will one day lose all of his power, lose all of his might, and that he doesn't have jurisdiction or power or rule equal to that of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, when Jesus Christ tweets, if we can put it like that, he doesn't have his own pocket in mind. He doesn't have his own authority in mind. He do, he, he's not in the competition to be the richest man in the world. Not at all. He's always, forever, having the goodness of people in mind. Jesus' ego cannot be stroked by people's praise. He cannot. He's got one thing in mind. He is separate from sinners. He's separate from the systems of this world, the people of this world. He's separate from that. He's a, he's a being that gives his life for people. Not under uh, the cover of things. Like we will find every... Uh, Every system in this world will always come under the cover of being good. But we will find, even if the motive is right, even if they try by the purity in their heart, try to be good, you find that we see the weakness of man inside those systems. But I want to tell you, you we as believers, we are not given over to those systems. Neither should we pay careful attention to those systems. It doesn't help we pay careful attention to what the latest uh, 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 negative news is. We can give some attention to that, but not careful attention. Careful attention is giving, given to the message that Jesus Christ is Lord. And he has been made the author of eternal salvation. Let me say it again. Son though he was, he learned obedience or he was obeying the Father in the days of his weakness. And then way, made the day when he was made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. Isn't that beautiful? He was made perfect. He's the perfect Savior, the perfect one to love us, the perfect one. Another uh, uh, scripture about a perfect leader. Hebrews 7 verse 23 to 28. This is what it says. Now here we have been, here, but there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. He's a permanent Lord. Therefore he's able to save to the uttermost. Remember, we, let us not neglect such a great salvation, an eternal salvation, a salvation to the uttermost, which is the word of his jurisdiction, his rule over you. Glory to God. Therefore, he's able to save completely those who come to God through him. Because he always lives to intercede for us. Such a high priest truly meets our needs. You know what your need is? You need, what humanity need, is a person that is perfect to be the leader of the world, 
that can save people from mortality, save people from the power of the flesh, save people from sin, save people from death, and also have the ability to, from this mortal world, recreate it into an eternal world in which there is no corruption. That is what we need. That is our need. Such a high priest truly meets our need. No political leader, no constitution, even the constitution that we have drawn up for Dynamic Love Ministries Zambia, is adequate to bring help to people in this area. What people need is a personal connection with the Lord Jesus Christ, who is, for, who is a perfect high priest, who can never die, who's got, who is perfect, who is all-loving, all-caring, all-giving. That is what we need. Who will never, uh, who cannot be impeached. That is what we need. Okay. Therefore, is able to save completely those who come to God through Him because He always lives to intercede for them. Such a high priest meets our needs. One who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners exalted above the heavens. I want to tell you, church, I want to tell you, my friend, who's watching me today, that our Lord Jesus is blameless. I've mentioned last week, show me any blameless leader. There is none. If you look at me as your leader, I'm not blameless. I have my shortcomings because I, I don't possess in my physical body the manifestation of eternal life. I'm at the place where Jesus was, where I obey the Father in my weakness, where I don't see eternal life by my own power. I make decisions and realize sometimes it was the wrong one. I preach a message and then later on see that I could have done it better. It's like Helena said to me, she's, she's about to preach here um, in the church, do a Bible study there um, this Sunday morning. And she says she doesn't feel adequate. She doesn't know if she, if she can do it right. Man, I feel like that all the time. I said to her, welcome to the club. I feel like that 30 years already. I feel like that this morning when I came here. I felt my inability and my weakness to preach this message. I feel, will I ever be able to bring this over? But you are looking at me. I'm not the perfect leader. I'm still at the place where Jesus was at, where he had to submit himself to the Father and obey in the hope that the Father gives him eternal life. And then he was made perfect. So in the very same way here, I want to tell you uh, that when we look at Jesus, who has been perfected, he's your Lord. No leader in the world, no constitution in the world can pro provide you an inch of true peace. Nothing. So let us not give it too much attention to the point that it upsets us. Because we don't want to slip. Let's let this message slip. Because if we let this slip, what we miss out is such a great salvation. We keep our focus on the one that keeps his focus on us. I'm running out of time. Let us, um, <clears throat> let us end off. It says here, such a high priest meets our needs, one who is blameless, holy, pure, set apart from sinners. 
Do you know that all leaders in the world are sinners? Even if I become the president of the country, I'm a sinner in this sense. Not before God in his eyes, but I'm a sinner in this sense that in my ability and in the constitutions of this world, I cannot bring peace. All that I can do is acknowledge my weakness, point people to Jesus, and say, look at the perfect Lord all the time, and not be full of pride, offering solutions all the time, mocking others, say, saying how stupid others are, and if, you know what's going on in the world. You are under an eternal leader. Unlike other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day for day, first for his own sins. He does not. For the law appoints as high priests or as leaders men in all their weakness. The law appoints leaders in, their, in all their weakness. The law, talking about the, 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 ten, the, the, the law of that time, not just the Ten Commandments, but the law that would uh, um, appoint leaders and high priests. The law of Moses appointed men in their weakness. So you sitting with a weak, sinful, self-righteous human as a leader, should it be appointed by the law? It says, but the promise that God has for man appoints the Son who is made perfect forever. I want to tell you who has been appointed over you is the Son who has been made perfect forever. He's not a sinner. He is blameless. He is set apart. And Jesus was set apart for this purpose. And that is to see that you can experience the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Let us give perfect and, and continual attention to this. I end off with this verse, Philippians 3, verse 7 to 21. Join together in, in, um, in following my example, brother and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. And the way Paul was living was keeping his eyes on Jesus as Lord. For as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, Many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. They don't want to acknowledge what I've just been teaching to you. The gospel of God. The grace. The love of God. Their destiny is destruction and their God is their stomach. That's many, many times what happens when we look at the systems of this world. We find it's just about people's own stomach. It's about themselves. And their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await the Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables Him to bring everything under His control will transform our lowly bodies to that, uh, to that day so that they will be like His glorious body. Hallelujah. We have such a great salvation, I'm summarizing, who was first, it was first announced by Jesus. This great salvation is that we are saved from ourselves and the systems that we think can bring uh, freedom. We're saved from that. For the kingdom of God is announced. And this kingdom has already been closed 2,000 years ago. It was inaugurated in the resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ. And we who believe now 
are under that jurisdiction. And we pay careful attention to this kingdom we are standing under. We, it, it is to such an extent that we say we are citizens of another country, the citizens of heaven, and we as citizens of heaven stand under the rule of the kingdom. I want to use one example. As I sit here in Zambia, I'm a South African citizen, although I'm in Zambia. Yes, I absolutely acknowledge the rulership here. I paid respect to the police. When we came here, we went to visit the police office. We went to visit the, the president's office. Everybody, and just tell them we are here. We acknowledge you and show respect for all of them. We did all of that. We show respect. But although I show respect and honor the authority that is here, I don't have my life by their favor. Although I have favor with them and we enjoy it and we thank God for that, but we have our source of life from the favor that comes from heaven, the jurisdiction of God over our lives, and that is how it is for you. As I sit here in Zambia, my, my financial, just let's talk in an earthly manner here, my income is not based on the economy of Zambia. I get money from South Africa. I get money from people that support me from different places in the world. And my, finan my finances is according to the uh, economy of other countries, not the one that I'm in right now. In the very same way, the economy that we live under is that of heaven. The peace we live under is that of heaven. The rulership we live under is that of heaven. And that is where we pay our careful attention. In a normal way, if I look at what's going on in Zambia, to a certain degree, I don't care so much. I care more about what's going on in South Africa. And I pay my attention there in a natural sense. And because I'm a citizen of heaven, I don't even pay so much close attention to what's going on in South Africa. We pay our attention to this word we have heard and we're not letting it slip. We don't want to slip away from the peace it brings us. You are His beloved. You are His. You are the dwelling place of God. You are the, the temple of the Almighty God. You are where God always wanted to be. He will not let you slip. He holds on to you. You are in His hand. And let that be in your mind. You are His. Amen and amen. Let us pray. Father, I want to thank you for your love and your grace. Thank you for your kingdom. Thank you that we are under the rule of heaven. Thank you that you are the propitiation for our sins. You are the proof of success over sin. Hallelujah. You are the proof of success. You are the, you're showing the success that you can have over sin. When Jesus was made all sin and you raised him from the dead and declare the, the victory and put on display the victory that you can have over sin and death in what you've done in Jesus. And now, as you've, as you've placed him above all rule, above all power, and given him to us as our Savior, we pay careful attention to that. I declare that we are under your rule, Lord. As I sit under this mango tree in Western Africa in the bush, I want to just thank you that I can say, I'm under the rule of the Almighty God as all people that watch me and those who acknowledge this rule experience this rule and the salvation it brings. Thank you, Lord Jesus. 
thank you, Lord. I also stretch forth my hand to this camera as a sign of you that stretch forth your hand to signs, wonders, and miracles. I declare people are saved and safe and healed and protected in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Thank you so much that I could have served you today. I'll minister to you again further in this week to come. God bless.